Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Let's come back. I'm always amazed how quickly the five minutes goes. It's wonderful to hear you all talking and discussing that. I feel like that's how church is actually supposed to be, just like discussing what we've just heard rather than one person at the front. I love it. So, um, so okay, we're heading into, we're going to expound a little bit on 1 John 4, 18. But firstly, before we do, um, when I was a kid, I was three and my sister was five and mum was away for some reason. And um, we thought it'd be great. Dad was working on the farm somewhere close by, no doubt. Um, we thought we'd grab mum's bras and 90s and go and try them on over our farm clothes, uh, you know, just playing grown-ups. And so we, like me, I was a chunky little five, a three-year-old and, and my sister, a little whippet of a five-year-old, we went into our room with mum's 90s and bras and started putting them on and, you know, laughing and everything and trying to work out the contraption that that thing is. And, and, um, and then um, we heard dad run, chill, and we looked terrified at each other, and we just bolted, like, out our front door and round the side of the house, the main part of our um, house, our farmhouse was over 150 years old, and there was this little door that went under it, and so we, like, in mum's 90s and bras over our farm clothes, like, commando crawled under the house where there were spiders and snakes and the odd dead feral cat that stunk out the house, and we would prefer to be there than risk what might be coming if dad caught us in mum's delicates over our farm clothes. And so uh, we went and hid um, because we were worried about what punishment might await us, which reminds me of another story. When we went round to Frank and Kay Coleman's a couple of years younger, then known as Brother Frank and Sister Kay, and, uh, and we, we you know, went to their, fam- their home quite often and Dan and my brother was roughly the same age and they were mates and Jill and I used to fight over Kim, who was a couple of years older than us, and then there was my mate Dave, who was the same age as me, and then there were two young ones. But Dave needed a lot of discipline and he used to get in trouble all the time and there was this one day that he got in trouble and uh, he um, copped it from his dad and so I went out the back to see how he was faring a little while later and I went down their back steps around the side of the house and there's Dave with his undies down pulling leaves out the back of his um, jocks and and I said what are you doing and he had this big grin he said I knew it was coming so I stuffed leaves down my pants (laughs) Um, and uh, if you're over 30 you've got a story like that about some discipline from your parents and just for all the greenies in the room, I'm glad for the discipline from my parents, by the way. I'm glad that they were able to discipline me. Um, but, but um, you know, there's this, it reminds me of another story where this dad said to his kids, um, he had a male and a female kids, and he said, this backyard is yours. You, I've created it for you. Do whatever you like in it. Engage with it. Enjoy it. You've got free reign over it. And so they just, they just loved it. Um, but he did tell them just to stay away from one particular tree. It was dangerous to them. But they, they didn't listen to him and they went to the tree and listened to another voice. And, and they, they ate the fruit of the tree that was dangerous to them. And all of a sudden they realised things about themselves that they hadn't previously realised. And then they heard their dad calling and they went and hid. And Adam and Eve were in shame in the garden because they had fear of punishment of what their dad might do when he found them. And when he did find them, he covered them over with his love and clothed them and and did what he needed to do. But we've been living in fear of punishment ever since. But 1 John chapter 4 verse 18 says, Such love has no fear 
because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So the context, like we said, of that punishment is the day of judgment, Um, but God is saying here that we have a love that casts out any fear of punishment. So what is fear doing to us? Well, if we fear, we've forgotten the unforgettable. I don't know if you've ever done a grand gesture of love to someone. And it costs you something. It costs you emotions. It costs you time. Maybe it costs you money. It costs you resource on some level. And you showed this big act of love. But then later, maybe you're a bit absent or maybe you got the whatever it was. And all of a sudden, the way that they talked was as if you didn't love them. And, and, and that you'd forgotten them and that you'd abandoned them and, and you felt like going, can we just go back to this big gesture that I showed you? Remember how much I love you? Remember how much I showed you that I love you? Well, the Bible says that if earthly parents know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more the heavenly father, he won't withhold his spirit from us. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, You have not received spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. For those of us who have decided to follow Jesus, he has given us his spirit. He has called us his children. But wait, there's more. 1 John 2, remember? My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the only one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. You know, when we feel like God is maybe absent or forgotten us, I feel like God could point back to this grand gesture of love and say, Did I send the darling of heaven? Did he sacrifice himself? Did I give you my spirit so that you could think that I was going to punish you? So you could live in fear? That is not my intention. Let's not forget the unforgettable. Colossians says that, it says, He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. We can forget a whole lot, but let's not forget that. Our sins nailed to the cross and we bear them no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Let's stay out of fear. Let's not forget the unforgettable because I feel like if, if we could say to our friend who's forgotten how much we love them, no, no, remember this gesture, filter everything through this gesture that they would have renewed confidence of how much we love them. And God wants us to filter everything through that grand act on the cross. Number two, when we fail and fear, we fail twice. When we fail and then we fear, we fail twice. Because fear causes us to draw. Fear causes us to go and hang out under the house with the snakes and spiders and dead feral cats. Fear causes us to live in a way that anticipates punishment by shoving leaves down our jocks. Fear causes us to live in an uncomfortable way because we're anticipating something bad happening. When we fail and then we fear, we fail twice. But if we fail to fear, we let his sacrifice pay the price. If we fail fear, and when we fail, we rush into his presence rather than withdrawing away from it. 
then that's when we let what he's done pay the price. We, we let it go. 1 John 4, it says, this is real love, verse 10. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his sacrifice, his son, as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We can remind ourselves that he's made provision for our failure, that that is real love. He's not turning his face from us. It's not a, you disappointed me again, kids. You disappointed me again. And I'd say, oh, I made provision for that. Quickly, come back, come back, come right back. Don't stay away. Don't, don't fear me. Fear him in terms of reverence. Fear him in terms of he's a holy God. Fear him in terms of we are not playing games here. And that's a tension that we have to manage. That we don't fear him because he loves us and he's made the sacrifice for us. But that we're not like, oh, sweet. We're not like an undisciplined child. He loves us so much that he wants to discipline us. Number three, if we fear, we frustrate God's blessing. You've probably heard me say before, and it's like one of my most embarrassing admissions because nothing about it suggests confident and secure woman, which is what I try to project. <laughs> um, oh. I've fooled you. None of you laughed. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but, but I have told you before that, you know, I've been married 20 years this year, that for the longest part of my marriage, I always feared that Daz was going to have an affair. And I would say an irrational fear. Now, not irrational in the way that a bunch of people that should be trusted figured out that they couldn't be trusted. And, and but for the grace of God, there go we all. So, like, it's not irrational in that way. But, but there was this, Daz and I are completely honest with each other. I think, <laughs> as much as you know. Um, but I, like, you know, he knows everything about me. I would think I know everything about him. That has not been an issue. Not an emotional affair, not a physical affair. That's been something that has been on the radar. And so I, I feel like I wasted, that's how I feel, that a good portion of my 20 years of marriage was wasted fearing something that was never on the radar. And I frustrated the blessing of living in a, a secure relationship. Now, I know he's failed me in plenty of other ways. Don't you worry. Like, who squeezes toothpaste from the middle, people? <laughs> Big failures. Um, but, but, but the thing is, is that I could have lived under the blessing and instead I lived under fear. And, and we do that with God. He, he loves us. And we live with this thing of, if you really knew God, God's like, um... <laughs> Well, if you really knew me, God, you, you'd, you'd choose differently. Oh, I don't think you'd be okay with me, God, if you really knew. God's like, I'm, uh, yeah, formed you in your mother's womb. Know everything about you. Know your thoughts before you think them. Love you. Love you. So let's demonstrate his blessing by living in fear. And in the last few minutes, let me tell you about perfect love. Perfect love produces courage because of Christ. Perfect love produces courage because of Christ. Verse 17 of 1 John 4. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Why? Because of Christ, not because of us. Perfect love produces courage because of Christ. We don't need to live in fear. To perfect love brings confidence, consistency. Linnea read this last week when we felt like we were drinking from a fire hydrant when she just gave us so much. It was awesome. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, it says this. It says, Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. Ha. Huh. In the version that she read, it says, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. So we can have confidence and consistency. Because a person that's worried about pleasing you all the time, do you know someone like that? Don't nod. They might be sitting next to you. 
But if, you, if someone's worried about pleasing you, they're constantly checking with you. Did I offend you when I did this? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, did, that, did I say the wrong thing there? But when we've got confidence and consistency, we, when we know that we're loved and we choose greater than our feelings, the truth above our feelings, it produces confidence and consistency in us. It's a beautiful thing. I'm working it out. Perfect love carries consequence. It casts out fear. Perfect love and fear are dichotomous. They're mutually exclusive. Once fear enters in, it's no longer perfect love. But when perfect love enters in, it throws fear away. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Perfect love fulfills his command by flowing in community. That is the last point, 1 John 4, 20 to 21. We just read it before, but we'll read it one more time just to hammer it home and give a verse for the week. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. And we read from last week that to say, I love you, but then we do nothing to meet anyone's needs, then is love really in us? So love looks like something. Oh, it's a challenge, right? All the best for this week, everybody. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.